When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Gassing Out Loud, a Bristol Post podcast with Michelle Owen and Bristol Rovers reporter Jack Vittles. Hello, welcome along to Gassing Out Loud. Myself, Michelle Owen here with Jack Vittles. And Jack, we have to start by talking about the transfer window. It all came to a head this morning after deadline day. Please explain what happened with these new signings that have just come in and tell us a bit more about them. Yeah, absolutely. So it's been a pretty frenetic morning the day after the window closed, even though it closed 11 o'clock last night. Nothing yeah. really happened yesterday. Yeah. Um, I think the, the goalkeeper, Alexandre, went out on loan. Meniessi went out on loan. No incomings. Um, that think, was disappointing, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it left a few Rovers fans fretting. Um, the, the good news, I suppose, from a fan point of view, was that we already knew Craig was going to sign. We've been reporting that for a few days. And it also broke about um, Kyle Bennett as well, about, I think it was about 11 o'clock, actually, as well. such a good sign, by the way. Yeah, Absolutely. That. And um, so there was a, there were a few teasers there to keep people interested and not too worried. Um, and obviously both those players have been released by their clubs on deadline day anyway. So they could sign as free agents. There was no time constraints there. Yeah. Um, and obviously Rovers announced both of those uh, this morning, Thursday morning. Yeah. Um, quick succession, two players coming through the door, takes the total to three in terms of permanent signings for the window. Um, and yeah, so they've got those three, those two deals over the line this morning, three in total. Uh, and the only outgoing is really a couple of lads on loan and obviously Bowden, but that's well, talk about well in the past now. Tell me more about Tony Craig. I know a lot about Carl yeah. Bennett, but tell us more yeah, about absolutely. Tony Craig. So he's a 32-year-old defender, can play left-back and centre-back, bit of a Millwall legend. Um, I spoke to him this morning, he's got a thick London accent, um, speaks very glowingly about his time at Millwall. He lives 20 minutes down the road from the stadium. Um, he's been back to the club on four separate occasions, I think, during his career. Um and plays you know, hundreds of games, more than three, four hundred games for the club. So he brings real pedigree, real experience. That's what we were saying the other week. This experience is key for Rovers now. Yeah, he's exa- I think he's exactly what they need. He's doing his coaching badges as well. He's oh, doing okay. his, his, that's his, his, yeah. So you know that's something further down the line for Rovers to consider. With um, Steve Yates leaving the club last summer, the former defensive coach. So he certainly brings a lot of experience, and you know it's easy to forget Rovers. Defence, obviously, Lockie is the senior man, but he's only oh, he's so young. He's, 20, he's 22, well, he's 23. Senior, he's 22 or 23. Yeah, exactly. I know he plays for Wales as well a little bit, but that experience is key. What about Carl Bennett? Because uh, he was at Portsmouth, hasn't featured much there, but you know, a few years ago, he was touted as one of, sort of the best young players around in the EFL. 27 now was a free agent. Is that a concern that he was a free agent at all to start with? Because with Tony Craig, I can always understand it because of his age. Yeah. But when a 27-year-old is a free agent, I think it's a fair question to ask why are they a free agent? Yeah, it's a bit of an odd one, this deal. So I, I spoke to Daryl this morning and he basically said that that Bennett was the player that fell through earlier in the window mm-hmm. um, and they'd been working and trying to get hold of him, but there are a few hold-ups on the Pompey end of things. It wasn't, it wasn't from Rovers. Mm-hmm. Um, and it all sort of came to a head yesterday and he managed to sort of get out of his contract at Pompey. They agreed to... Um, terminated by mutual consent mm-hmm. and they were able to pick him up as a free agent a bit of a weird one um, so but it was terminated by mutual consent it's not like he comes to the end of the contract no I don't think so and he, you know he was still in contract and he was a, he's been in and out of the side this season but he was a big part of their promotion yeah, campaign yeah. last year that's what I'm thinking about in, uh, of that I remember seeing him play a few times but to terminate 
a contract by mutual consent is quite unusual in football. Yeah, it's a Why didn't ask for a fee from Rovers? I'm confused. Yeah, I'm not sure. And it's a very peculiar way of doing business. So Rose has done this with both Craig and Bennett this morning. Mm-hmm. They've both been released by clubs and then, and then, you know, clearly released knowing they were going to Bristol Rovers. This wasn't Rovers suddenly jumping yeah, yeah, in yeah. at the last minute. No. So it is a slightly weird way to do business. And I tried to press Daryl on that this morning, but he just sort of tried to brush it off and said, you know, that's how football works, etc. It's, mm-hmm. all, a bit, it's all, mm-hmm. all a bit complicated. Um, I did try to get him to explain it, but he wasn't really happy. <laughs> um, so it is a, it's a slightly odd way of doing the business. Obviously, it's good news in a way they haven't spent any money on transfer fees in terms of you know, their finances. It's a bit concerning, perhaps, that they haven't spent the Bowdoin money. Yeah. Absolutely, I'd be concerned. But they did pay a fee for Bowdoin Mensa, but that was, that was undisclosed, wasn't it? Yeah, so I wouldn't have thought it would be huge money. Obviously, coming from non-league, we're probably talking, you know, 150k, something, okay. I don't know. Okay, so what did we think the Billy Bowden fee was in the end? I would guess somewhere in the region four to five hundred thousand pounds. Okay, I saw Billy Bowden play uh, on Tuesday evening against Nottingham Forest. He scored for Preston North End. He looked sharp. He looked good. He won them a penalty as well. And I was sat there thinking, hmm, why has his money not been reinvested at Bristol Rovers yet? Yeah, it's a bizarre one, isn't it? And I think it's almost half a million pounds. You could get a couple of really decent EFL yeah. players for that. League One players, especially. It's, this is weird. Yeah, I think fans are very fifty-fifty on this window. I think they're actually quite pleased with the players that have come in, and they're also kind of pleased they haven't spent the money. Financially, it keeps them mm. looking good on paper. But there is also that nagging fear of why hasn't the money been spent? Why hasn't the boat been reinvested? Where's it gone? Where's the money? Yeah, exactly. So is it just sat in the bank account? Are they using it to improve the infrastructure, improve the stadium? If so, then tell us. You know, tell this the fans. This that will go, that will go down well. Yeah. I, I just... This is my issue with the owner. Is that there seems to be no communication. You know, where's that money gone? Uh, some clubs, you would find out if it's being reinvested or if it's going into the stadium or redevelopment or the training ground either, even. Yeah. But... Why is silent? I mean, this is this is not good in terms of communication to the fans. And as a Bristol Rovers fan at the moment, you must be sat there thinking, well, you know, Billy Bowden's gone for hundreds of thousands of pounds. We haven't even reinvested that money in this window. I mean, we thought that Daryl Clark would have some money to play with in this window as well. That hasn't materialised, really, yeah. apart from, you know, the low... We, no, we no, exactly. And, you know, Steve Hamer, the chairman, did say that as far as he was concerned, Daryl would get the money to reinvest in this window. They They haven't done that. They did... You know, they did make a bid um, for Otis Khan at Yeovil, which was accepted. They, they met his release clause. I don't know how much that was. So that was them spending money. Mm-hmm. Um, but Khan did not want to come to Rovers. So perhaps that was where they expected the money to be spent. I don't know how much Khan's release uh, clause was. Why would Otis Khan not want to come to Bristol Rovers? Yeovil Town, lower League Two side as it stands, coming to a League One side that arguably, you know, maybe just getting a ducks in a row now, maybe consolidating for the season. But next season... With, to how we say it, it doesn't feel like we should say it right now, with the right investment, could be a playoff club. You're Otis Khan, why wouldn't you want to come here? Yeah, it's a, it's a bizarre one, isn't it? The only reason, you know, I could think of, well, two reasons, I think. One, he's holding out for a move back up north. You know, you've got to remember, people have personal ties, mm-hmm. and he does come from up north. Well, look at Daniel Sturridge in the Premier League, yeah, wants exactly. to come sprung for family reasons, yeah? That's so, I think, I think that's, that's one point, but also, you've got to, you know, think about the infrastructure in place at Rovers. It's not the, the greatest in terms of the stadium, the training facilities, as they currently stand. And I think it was interesting, actually, to speak to both Tony Craig and Kyle Bennett this morning, and both of them really stressed that, you know, they want to join Bristol Rovers because of the, you know, the tight-knit bunch of lads that were there, and they believed in Daryl Clark. Wasn't an awful lot of mention of the infrastructure, which you'd understand, because as Daryl said on numerous occasions, it's not good enough. It's really not good enough. But this is a big issue, and I'm sure it's been the case before, and we've heard, you know, we've spoken to former Rovers players from years ago that have had similar or worse training facilities that 
It's just a League One level now. You can't expect these sort of facilities. And it's now costing them signings, which is costing them ultimately progression. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's a horrible spiral, isn't it? And I think hopefully if they get this training ground in place and they keep hold of Daryl Clark, things will look a bit brighter. But obviously the, the worry a long way down the line is that, you know, when Daryl does leave the club, if they are still stuck with a similar level of infrastructure, do they have a manager that commands that presence, that can draw players in, that has that four years of success yeah. and experience to pull upon? I don't know who's... I don't know who's well, you, you wrote a quite powerful article the other day, didn't you, about Daryl Clark and his thoughts on the infrastructure and what, you know, Bristol Rovers not being a League One club in that sense. No, he thinks they've hit a brick wall off the pitch, um, which is understandable. It's always very quick to say that people are working hard, but you'd expect him to say that. Does he think they're not a League One club in terms of infrastructure? I think he thinks they're a bottom six League One club in terms right, of infrastructure. Okay. That's that's what he's often said to me, is that he's got you know a top six fan base and a, a sort of lower league budget and infrastructure in place. So I think he wants to be backed in terms of an infrastructure plan and with money that matches the fan base as a Rovers. You know, they get mm. gates of over 10,000 relatively regularly. It's, it's, a... it's one of, I mean, we, we both go to football grounds all over the country and honestly... One of the best atmospheres. Crowd on top of you is yeah, fantastic. Absolutely. And maybe I think personally the ground should come second to the to the training complex, which might some fans think, well, that's not fair. But in terms of progression, that's the way it should be round, surely, shouldn't it, Jack? Well, it's going to secure players, you'd think, isn't it? You know, if you're a player, you know, and you're going to be spending five days a week up at the training ground, eating, you know, talking to your mates, training, studying up there, things like that. I think you've got to get a training ground in place, and you know, Rovers are doing that slowly. Um, no sign of any, no sign of any pace, planning permission. Yeah. Exactly. So we wait and see on that. If that does come through, I think that, like you say, that is a better way to attract players yeah, definitely. than the stadium. But if you're a fan... It doesn't feel like that. You, know, you want the nice stadium. Of course. It's nice to see. Is it getting to the point now, though, um, where Daryl Clark is getting that frustrated with the owners if a top league one side, bottom championship side, came in for him in summer in terms of moving on and let's say Rovers you know it's not looking likely that they're going to go up or anything like that it looks like mid-table this year could Daryl Clark leave if these frustrations continue? I don't think he's any more frustrated with the ownership at this point than he has been at any point in the season even though he hasn't given that much money in the window not, not from what I got this morning from him I don't think he was more frustrated than he has been I think he's still frustrated but I certainly wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't rule him out leaving in the summer. I'm not saying he's going to jump ship or anything. He's on a long contract. He seems quite committed. But he's an ambitious manager. He's 40 years old. He's got a lot going for him, a good track record. If a championship club does come in, we know he's turned down leads in the past. You know, if a championship side comes in... And he's with, still... With, and they give him money to spend. Yeah. yeah. If, if he's... Like, well, I'm just thinking of Darren Clark's position here and just playing devil's advocate. And by the way, I think it would be really, really bad if Darren Clark left Bristol Rovers. But if he sat there... He's done well at Bristol Rovers with very limited facilities and it would seem quite a limited budget. We don't know all the details. It's an attractive proposition at this point to to move on, isn't it? If he feels like he's not going to get that investment, unless the owner turns around to him and says, yeah, this is happening, this is happening, and these are the dates, and this is set in stone, does it not just feel a bit like just being strung along? Yeah, I, I, know, perhaps, I know some no, fans feel like that. No, I know, and I think... You know, if Rovers have a strong finish to the season, there is. I'd be very surprised if there wasn't at least one or two clubs sniffing around Daryl Clark in the summer. He's still going to have four years on his contract, which might put a few people off. Mm. Um, but you know, his stock is so high at Rovers that I think, you know, as long as he doesn't cause a massive split, which I can't see him doing, it'll almost be like the Bowden situation. Once he goes, he'll go with everybody's best wishes. Um, even though the, the, tr- 
transfer window has closed, technically, uh, can, players can, that are free agents, still come in, can't they? So is there anyone on your radar that might possibly come in now, or do you think that's that business done? I'm pretty sure that's business done. I can't say I've looked at the free agent list from last night, to be honest. There were so many moves, I lost track. Um, no, I don't think they'll be bringing any more in if I had to you know, nail my colours to the mast. So I think that's it. I think we're set. This is a squad now. Um, obviously, Meliessi's out on a full-season loan. Players like Ryan Broom can come back. He's only out for a month. But uh, they've got a bit of width now on the side with Mensah and um, Kyle Bennett joining. So oh, so much needed. We talked about it before, but yeah, that, that's great, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. That is positive to take from this. Yes, yeah, exactly. It was a bit of a funny one this morning as well. The, the, the BBC journalist that was there with me asked Daryl Clark about Kyle Bennett adding width to his side and Daryl sort of looked into the middle distance and sort of went width width you're all obsessed with width um, so it's because you haven't had any yeah exactly so I think he, he doesn't see it as a problem and he started talking about fullbacks overlapping and playing diamonds and things like that but from a fan point of view it is nice to have the, that wide option with Bowden now gone you've now got you know Bennett who is a you know a player that likes to beat fullbacks get behind cross the ball and uh, people like Gaffey and Harrison can feed off that hopefully Yes, it's great news getting Carl Bennett in. I really, really rate him. Uh, Bristol Rovers then now up to 11th after that great win uh, away at Doncaster. Suddenly things look a lot rosier just after one win. 39 points. I mean, there's a cluster of teams around them. We've been talking about this all season. Only six points for the playoffs now. It could happen. Nine points clear uh, of the bottom four. It was a very good win up at Doncaster, wasn't it? Yeah, really good. Really impressive. They went behind again, which is becoming a very recurring (laughs) thing. And it was in, I can't remember, less than four minutes maybe. It was terrible defending, decent save from Smith when the rebound went in. Uh, but they came back really well, good performance against, you know, a, a, a Doncaster side that are sort of the middle of mid-table in this division. They're a very solid League One side. So it was a good win, only the third away win of the season. Um, certainly something they need to crack on with. So I think, you know, maybe people are looking up the table rather than down this it is, now. This is, as we said in December, every season... This is when Bristol Rovers come good. And yeah. if you look at January overall, unbeaten, yeah. you know, uh, three wins out of four in the draw. And then I'm looking ahead to February and looking at the fixtures ahead. OK, Shrewsbury's a big one. It's a massive one on Saturday. And I think, look, if you don't come away with any, anything from that, 4-0, I was there. Got absolutely trounced. Yeah, it was awful. Season. Yeah. We were both there. We both said it was yeah. terrible. So, even to come away from a draw, I think that would show progress. But then you look ahead at some of the games, Oxford United, you know, that's one they could be winning. And then Rochdale as well, in a couple of weeks' time. Suddenly, you think, OK, could start planning a little bit here. Yeah, I think, you know, it's coming to that time of the year when if teams are going to go for the playoffs, they've got to start making their moves now. And Rovers are the form team. You know, they're, like I say, six unbeaten. They always come good after Christmas. If they can get that home form really going well. Imagine if they were decent before Christmas. <laughs> I know, I know. Ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. Um, so if they can get that home form going, keep on a run, at the very least, they should keep us entertained into the last three or four games with a chance of a playoff. Okay. And, I mean, know. as long as you're within touching distance with sort of three, say three games to go and you're eight points outside the playoffs... You know, at least it keeps a little, a teeny bit of a sniff entertaining. But, yeah. you know, look at last season. They were there into the penultimate games, weren't they? Yeah, exactly. It keeps you entertained. And the, the good thing from a Rovers' point of view as well is it looked for months like the top five were nailed on and it was just about ten teams fighting for sick. But now Scunthorpe are on a bad run. I think Bradford have lost five in a row. So both of those teams are, are sinking in points, if not position. And all of a sudden, maybe up to fourth is up for grabs. 
So it, it opens up a few more playoff places, but there's there's so many good teams in that little bundle. Yeah, um, I mean, just just below Bristol Rovers, uh, Oxford United and Plymouth Argyle, who had a terrible season until about December, and then they turned yeah. it around. It just shows how tight this league is, though. And there isn't there isn't a huge difference in standard of teams, sort of from fifth down to about fifteenth. No, really, not at all. It's very very congested, um, and I think we'll just have to. I was going to say we could tell us another three games. We probably won't be able to, will we? It'll still be just as tight. But it is it is ridiculous that after Christmas, Bristol Rovers just... It's almost like, OK, we'll play now. That, from, from, from an outside perspective, that's how it must look. Yeah. I don't know whether... you know They have a relatively high turnover of players in the summer. Maybe it takes some time to gel. I, don't, I, I really don't know. And I've asked Daryl on a number of occasions. I've asked different players, you know, why... Why does your home form and your away form as well improve from December onwards? Mm. And they've got no idea. <laughs> so overall, let's sum up the transfer window, just going back to that. Yeah. Uh, in terms of giving it a mark out of 10, what would you say for Bristol Rovers? I mean, Billy Bowden departing was a blow. You've, you'd have thought they could have yeah. got a replacement in before the day after deadline day, couldn't you? But yeah. I suppose Carl Bennett is really the closest to a replacement, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. I think the delay was a bit frustrating. Thankfully, though, it hasn't cost them well anything because they played so well. Um, Bowden's gone and they're yeah. playing well. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, they've proved they can do it without him. They had the same with Matty Taylor last year. You know, they came came to the fore, even though they lost their main goal scorer. Um, so hopefully they can do that again. I think, I think the window's been OK for Rover. I think it's been sort of OK to good um, with those two signings this morning. I think Craig will be a, a really good head in the dressing room. A, a good, leader. Yeah, a real commanding voice on the pitch as well. A bit of experience. I think Bennett is quite an exciting player and hopefully Mensa's one for the future. So, not a bad trio to bring in. Although Carl Bennett was League Two last year. Do you think that matters? No, I don't think so. I saw if him you... light up games in League Two, League One. Yeah, I, I don't do think, think the gap's that big. I, I was going to say, do you think the gap's that big? No, I, I don't. I think, I think the Championship League One gap. Yeah, uh, definitely. That's a massive gap. But League One, League Two, I don't think there's such a no, difference. You know, you look at the teams that came up last year and they've all sort of got their act together. Plymouth and Doncaster yeah. and Portsmouth, they're all doing absolutely fine. I don't think the gap is that big. And if Bennett's done it on you know, a consistent basis in League Two, I see no reason why he can't do it for Rovers this season. And looking ahead to Shrewsbury at the weekend, what do you reckon for Rovers? Yeah, like you, say, you know, like you said earlier, it's going to be a tough game. Shrewsbury, are, you know, just when you think they're going to start slipping off and, and moving out of the top two, they just keep coming back and winning. They're, only, so, they're just outside, they're third now. But are they third now? Yeah. Point behind, um, I, Blackburn Rovers who played the other night. Yeah, they're 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 a very well organised side. They've got no outstanding stars, but Paul Hurst has got them working so well this what season. What a manager! Absolutely, you know he's he's going to go to the championship. You'd have thought, if it, you know, whether it's with Shrewsbury or not, he's that good. Because he came from Grimsby yeah. to Shrewsbury, and exactly. He's well, just he was him, he was in charge of Grimsby when Rovers got promoted. So he's had a very good career. Sort of him and Daryl Clark have been on very similar trajectories, mm. actually. Um, they know each other quite well, I think. But it'll be, yeah, a very tough game. I don't well, think. Be good run. Yeah, I don't think it's. The, I don't think it's the end of the world at all. I think yeah, keep the unbeaten run going, and then you look ahead. You know, you've got a couple of midweek games coming up. People like you know, Rochdale should be beaten. Oxford, a bit of a derby, should be good fun. Be They've good got no see, manager. Yeah. Um, Rovers are taking almost two thousand fans there, so it's going to be lively. Um, one of the best games right. of the season, that one. One of the best games. Yeah, absolutely. Jack, thank you so much for coming in. I know you're a bit frazzled from deadline day, so go and have a lie down until now, until Saturday. And we'll be back in a fortnight's time. Cheers. Gassing out loud.